Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to some amazing founders in technology. So people who've built businesses around technology that helps us, that uh, moves us forward, and might actually really inspire us in a number of ways. So I'm looking forward to my guest today. My guest today is Gil Mayron, and he's the founder and CEO of Cobot Nation, Architects of Automation. Now, he's a pioneer of the consumer 3D printing industry as the founder and CEO of Botmail 3D, which was which they manufactured and sold the first fully assembled consumer 3D printers, which I, I've never seen one in action, but I've seen things come out of them. Uh, so I can't wait to learn more about that. For more than a decade, Gil has molded, yep, I love my play on words, much of the 3D printing industry, specifically as it relates to manufacturing and innovation. And his expertise in the creative application of technologies not only led him to be a leader in and capital equipment sales, but also an integral influencer and a driver of strategic development solutions for his customers today. So joining me, I believe from uh, uh, Las Vegas, are you in Las Vegas, Gil? Yep, I'm in Las Vegas, yeah. I knew I got that right. It's got to be hot there too today. <laughs> Very hot, yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. I can't wait to learn from you. And then I'll, I have this like one random weird question that I'll throw at you at, at one point in time, just because it's so fascinating to me. So I'll just tease you with that. But I get the highlights of your bio. Tell us a little bit more about you, your business, you know, this history, how you got into 3D printing technology and uh, how you see it helping people and businesses to shock their potential. Sure. So with uh, 3D printing, I got into that maybe in 2008. And uh, with that, uh, at the time, my older brother was at a university. They had a large 3D printer. Um, I took a look at it. Uh, I put my Google Alerts out because we had Google Alerts at that time. And it uh, uh, wasn't more than a, a few weeks. And a project came up on Google Alerts called RepRap, R-E-P-R-A-P. And the guy who started that, his name is Adrian Bauer. He is a professor out of Austria. And uh, so I contacted him because what his project was, was an open source 3D printer that was as a kit. And so I contacted him and I, I got the rights to do the first fully assembled one. Uh, and with that, we, uh, we racked up a very large backlog of customers and uh, really didn't have a choice. We, we had to sell the company. Um, <laughs> And not only that, I was also in my mid twenties or early twenties, so you know there's only so much business acumen you could have at that time. But right. um, yeah, but uh, what I ended up doing uh, over at 3D Systems once we sold the company, I handled all the corporate development for the consumer division. We did really interesting deals. Star Trek, uh, you take a picture of the front of the face, side of the face, put you on a model, you, you print it in color, you get it. Um, a lot of licensing type stuff. Um, but uh, after my acquisition terms were done, 
uh, I believe that was in 2014. Uh, then I left, I sat on a few boards. One was for Mosaic Manufacturing out of Toronto. Uh, I did some work for a company called Polymaker, which is probably now one of the largest uh, 3D printer filament companies in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went over to a few different resellers uh, and one of them happened to release the HP 3D printer, which is one that we have here, Cobot Nation. And uh, what I was really doing was uh, just buying some time because I had to not, not compete with 3D systems. And mm -hmm. so I uh, wanted to make sure I was ethical and right. Uh, once that ended, uh, I started Cobot Nation. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, or at least started to look into all the automation stuff. And we found that it was very similar to 3D printing where the industrial patents were starting to expire or getting old. Uh, university students were starting to come out with projects of miniature type things, same thing with the robotic arms that we're doing now. And uh, the only difference now is that we, we know how to handle the business. And mm -hmm. so, um, so all is going quite, uh, quite well. But at Cobot Nation, just to, to give a little bit of a, a overview, uh, so we do Cobots. And what the Cobot is, is a collaborative robot. It's, it's a robot that can work with or without a human but has the ability to work with a human. Otherwise it would just be a robot that doesn't work with a human. Um, all of the <laughs> solutions we make uh, work with humans. Uh, we make everything from scratch. We're the only US manufacturer of collaborative robots. Um, we're the only manufacturer of automation solutions that goes direct to the customer. So we don't use resellers. We don't use integrators. We hire all of our mechanical engineers full-time. Uh, we give 24 seven support because we go direct to the customer. We get typically the largest customers. Um, and we're the lowest price of the industry. So all that together makes for a pretty decent, uh, you know. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. Um, so let me go back a little bit, you know, so you, when you saw this first large university, you know, uh, uh, 3D printer, you know, what made you say, hey, I, I have, I, I want to do something with this. Uh, well, before that, I had a company that was selling uh, leads, like freight leads. So you go online, you fill out a form that came to me, I sold it off somewhere. And uh, that was when we could do that back then. And mm -hmm. so, uh, <laughs> so that was before a little different today. Um, a little different today, yeah. I would never venture into that today. But mm -hmm. uh, with that, I was looking to get into something else. And uh, the, when the 3D printer came along, I was going to make a service bureau. So you get one of the large printers, very expensive, and you do printing for people. Uh, but then when the Google Alert came up, it, it was very clear that that is a, a direction to go. So to make the fully assembled, very low cost printer and, and it turned out to do well. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, uh, I went to a, I live in Philadelphia and at the Franklin Art Institute or the Franklin uh, Muse Museum, um, they had a whole section on 3D printing. This was a couple of years ago before COVID. And, and I mean, I had just never even thought about the, the, the elements that could be done with this, you know, all the different things. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they're using 3D printing for making houses. Um, Yep. And which I think is very, very cool. And there, um, there's a, a company, I saw them on Sunday morning and I actually reached out to them. They're doing 3D printing with uh, candy and, you know, like sugars. Yep. It's called the Sugar Lab. Yep. And I'm like, this yeah, is- Yeah, well, that actually, we, we did that. Uh, we, we were the first sugar printer out there. It's just, I mean, it's really fantastic to think of the different ways we can evolve because it just sometimes you know you wonder have we have we invented everything that we can invent in this world and now this just opens up so many new applications what other ways have you seen 3d printing in in you know in real life well i i deal with manufacturing a lot so mm -hmm. i i deal with engineers 
certainly they use it for prototyping, but mm -hmm. the way we use printers now, especially at Co-Foundation, uh, with the HP printer, uh, we're able to make end parts, which are like 100% dense nylon. And uh, they look perfect. They look like injection molded parts. And uh, so that's what we use a lot of the, the time. Um, but again, you're, you're still looking at more manufacturing type stuff these days, not really stuff that you'll ever see in, in the home anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But I think that's fascinating too, because then that there's just different ways that things are being put together and different ways that uh, our products are being created and manufactured. So there's got to be, I mean, some savings in cost areas, other things, maybe you could just do things you couldn't have done very easily or, you know, even thought of doing, uh, maybe making things lighter. I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine all the applications manufacturing wise. So 3D printing is inherently slow. And so you're always trying to find a way to speed it up. And there's only so much you can do with a technology or a chemical or a heat-based thing. It, it goes so far. Uh, so automation was one of the areas where if you could take a second here, it adds up to a lot at the end of the year. Uh, and when we looked at automation, we realized that uh, it took a different business model. It took a different way of going about it, but uh, the largest customers out there were not being serviced. Mm, and you've worked with some pretty incredible companies over time. Well, Gil, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're going to dive down a little deeper. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. We are back with Gil Mayron. And um, one of the things, you know, we, we were talking about before we started taping was, you know, I asked you, which I'd like to ask all my guests is, you know, what makes you want to be on podcasts and how, how does this help you or what, what are your goals? And I love the fact you first said, look, I don't need any more business. We've got enough business, which is a wonderful thing. But you talked about, you know, wanting to be able to use platforms like this to really share your message and some of your philosophies. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to make sure that I'm getting a lot of thought leadership out there. I've been in the industry for quite a while. And so with that, even the way that we're doing automation now, going direct to the customer, not going to resellers, not treating it as a robotic arm commodity. Uh, we don't let anybody do the installation. We do all of it. We do all the integration, everything. Um, it, it, there, there's, a, there's a reason for, for all of that. And so 
uh, putting thought leadership out there, we hope that more and more people will get more accustomed to uh, automation and to the fact that some people that are losing their jobs in manufacturing really should be losing their jobs in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, these are not jobs that people will really want to do 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, it really, it's, it's strain on the, the arms and everything, uh, very monotonous, um, but you'll see a lot of displacement. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, talking about automation, I was talking with somebody else that had uh, was working with robotics in a totally different way for this um, series this month. And we were talking about how important it is to recognize when and where automation um, is important and where it drives a business further. And he said, and one of the things he said was very similar to, you know, here's the thing. Yes, you may be losing some of those jobs, but Number one, they're the jobs that are hard on people that they don't really want. And if you uh, do this the right way and you make it complementary to the rest of the business, you're also then going to use some of those people to help, uh, you know, learn and watch and train and develop. You know, people's jobs can evolve just because one job ends doesn't mean there's not another opportunity for things to go, especially, if people, you know, that person has done that job for a long time. Now to see robotics included in there in technology, they can have some great input on what's working, what's not, or where do we even go from here? Sure, but I would argue that that's only at the beginning. So yeah. every company we deal with, uh, they, they start out like, oh, I, uh, we want safety, we want this. The second we do one application, they want it all automated. <laughs> and not only that, what we could say is this, with an application where somebody's doing it repetitively, Mm -hmm. where there's really no thought that goes into it. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, that person is not going to have another job in that company. I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah. Um, and maybe they'll go somewhere where they're helping to index stuff so that the robot can, can take it. But even that will get solved. Um, yeah. Because here we Eventually. make all of our own indexing devices. And so, so what we know is, is some, some customers we have, one of them, for example, uh, they have one line uh, I can't explain too much, but they have seven people on this line doing a specific job. We replaced those seven people with one robot. And the robot was able to outperform them by roughly about four times. It's not wow. just seven people for one line. It's seven people three times a day. So it re one robot replaces 21 people uh, mm -hmm. in a day. And for that specific company, you're going to be looking at thousands of people by the time we're done with our automation. Yeah. And if you, if they really had that much, uh, you know, uh, significant improvement also over those people, those seven people and performed even better than those seven people times four, that's, that's massive. Um, that's massive change for an organization. Well, one thing that, that, that it does is the following. First off, it allows for the consumer to know that the company that they're getting it from, if they're automated, it's extremely consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, they have everything down to, to like an absolute point. The margins were increased. Uh, the jobs that are going to be increasing in that company are probably going to be much more technical, uh, you know, jobs that, that require a little more that are much higher pay. Um, we've yet to see companies raise their minimum wages, but that's because they're replacing all of that with automation. Mm -hmm. And so, but they're raising other wages on, on the higher end. And right. so it, it's really interesting to, to see the, the dynamic um, the only other thing I'll say is this, uh, especially at a few other shows, COVID, now, what happens with all that? Yeah. Well, we do not see anybody coming back to these work environments at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, they get as many booster shots as they want. They're not coming back. And yeah. uh, we're seeing a massive increase in automation. 
It's so true because yeah, and and even if you have people that come back, if you have environments where you're testing people regularly, and then you know, then they're showing that they're positive, even if they're not symptomatic, you know, then that shuts down your your manufacturing floor. That causes other delays, which we've seen the ripple effect. So you're right. I can see why this is a very appealing time to do this for companies. Yep. And the majority of our customers are publicly traded. So if they go down on, on the floor, that's a big problem for us. So okay. uh, it'll affect their quarterly uh, projections. So, okay. so we take it very seriously with, with what we do. And that's why we do it all direct with the customer. Yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit more about that, because I, my assumption is that that not only allows you to um, you know, control the different steps a lot more fully, but that you can... Um, that there's something even more intimate about saying, look, we're going to take this from start to finish. We'll be the number one person on the problem for you. And what we're trying to teach, teach you by doing that also is that this is what the automation is also going to do to you, give you some peace of mind, but we're, we're right. going to make sure it goes all the way correct from start, start to yeah. finish. Well, most of the time, the, the, the leads that we get, they, they know what they want, at least on the first yeah. application. Um, and then we go out to their site and we start to point out everything that they could possibly do. We put a phase program together. Uh, but that's really the, the, the extent of, of all of it when it comes down to, uh, to what we do. These manufacturers, um, they know what they want. They want automation. They haven't been able to find, you know, they can go to a local engineering firm, good luck. Uh, mm -hmm. They will have to learn everything from scratch uh, just mm -hmm. as much as anybody else. And so, um, so yeah, they're, 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 they're itching for it. I love it. I love the fact too, that, you know, you're to just see how your career advanced and, and, uh, you know, the evolution of, you know, a business that you're like, oh my God, this is really working. And now I got to sell it. Cause I can't, yeah. there's so much I, I have to, to move on. And then to continue to, uh, to kind of reinvent yourself as you reinvent new companies, that it's pretty, it must be fun to sit back and see what you've accomplished. Do you take a moment to just recognize it every once in a while? Uh, yeah, you know, maybe here or there a few times in life, but uh, right now I'm, I'm on a mission here and, and that mission is to uh, really get automation out there, is to define that definition of a cobot. Uh, we don't just think it's a robotic arm. We think that it's, uh, it could be a Roomba vacuum. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so we, we're, we're, we're on a mission here to do something very big. Our customers are the largest in their categories in the world. And so uh, we're doing it right. Uh, we know what we're doing is working, and now we just need to scale very, very fast. And uh, but at the end of the day, we're, we want to push automation forward. If, if we don't do it, somebody else will. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's important to push it forward because it'll make better products at, at, at the end. And these products, if you can imagine, if you're a manufacturing company and you make, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, shoes, and somehow you automated the the whole process. In time, what you would end up seeing would be more mass customization so it's so perfect it's so good that now they can start to even alter little things to make it customized to that individual person but it's still getting to them at the same amount of time and so i think we'll see a lot of that happen in a lot of different industries that's a, i think that's a great way to look at it so the more the more you think about how to refine any process the better you get at it the more you can actually deliver to your customer because you can count on that consistency in what you're doing yeah, oh. and it's not going to replace, you know, if, uh, I don't know, somebody orders a, a Lamborghini or something and it's handmade, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it won't replace that stuff. But uh, <laughs> in time, in time, we do know that the brands will not survive. 
Yeah. So the, these legacy brands, which may still be strong now, they will not be strong when a startup comes out with a better way of doing it, a cheaper way. I mean, look at Tesla. So it's, uh, it only lasts for so long. Yeah, absolutely. It's very true. And I think that's, it's really important. Most of my followers are entrepreneurs, but most of them also used to have a foot or still have one foot in corporate America. And I think we, you know, I mean, after COVID, that's an, another great example of, you know, just because you've had success in the past doesn't mean that you're going to have it through forever because nope. somebody might come out with something better, but you just don't know how the world's going to change. So do the best you can, the, the quickest you can, and the most cost efficient you can. But right. don't ever, don't ever sit there and think we were already here. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's a very dangerous uh, place to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's how. I, besides, I, if you I don't go I, as fast as possible, you open yourself up to risk and competition. So you might as well move fast. That's true. I love it. Well, we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes. But just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I need to know more sure. about Gil and what he's doing. What's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So first, you can go to cobotnation.com. Uh, go to the contact form. It'll come to me. Uh, somebody will send it to me. Uh, LinkedIn, that's the other main place that I use uh, where people can get in touch with me. I'm the only Gil Bayron on there, at least that I know of. So it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, and those would be the main ways to, to get in touch with me. I don't really use any other social platforms myself personally. So Very good. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Uh, well, if, uh, if they're entrepreneurs, then uh, I would say enjoy the grind. Enjoy the grind. It lasts a while and life will get easy in the end if you do it right. So, Amen to that. That's what we're all working for. I agree. Gil, thank you so much. It's very interesting what you're doing. I'm thank so you, glad we had you on today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Michael. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today. <laughs>